This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Good evening everybody and welcome along to the AA Live show and this is the show that explores the ideas and the way of life uh, behind um, uh, or through the Alcoholics uh, Anonymous program. My name's Tony and um, I'd like to warmly welcome Chrissy who is uh, riding uh, shotgun tonight alongside. <laughs> G'day Chrissy, lovely to have you here. <laughs> Hi Tony, great to be here. <laughs> How's your week been going? It's been going good so far, yeah, yeah. pretty good. In recovery, you know, better well, than being drunk. Well, that's right, yes, it is. Yeah, it's a whole new life, isn't it, that we uh, we get, we get uh, in recovery. Um, look, uh, what do you say we start off with the Serenity Prayer like we normally do, and, um, and we'll get into uh, the show tonight, guys. We've got a great show uh, for you. We've got an interview um, uh, a little way down the track there and some great music, but uh, let's start off with the Serenity Prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Hi everybody listening out there, and I'd just like to run through what AA is and is not and read out the preamble. So I'll do the preamble first, I think. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of women, of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Okay, so that's the preamble. Um, our opinions, the any opinions that you hear on the show, are not necessarily that of AA as a whole. As people, we all have our own opinions. You are free to take them or not take them. Um, but I just wanted to reiterate that um, they're not necessarily that of AA as a whole. Yeah, no, that's wonderful, Chris. Yeah, that's right. I mean, all of us have a slightly different take on, on you know, the program that, that we live by. Um, and, yeah, that, that's, that's it. I... Um, I'd like to actually introduce our daily refle- uh, sorry, <laughs> reflection next, um, and you may well find that if you attend an, uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that that this is uh, frequently read out as, as part of, um, you know, a way of introducing into our sharing. Um, but before I do that, I'd like to read out, being November, and some might say, where's the year gone? <laughs> um, we're in step 11, it's the 11th month um, and this coincides with a focus on uh, the 12 step program so I just thought what I'd read out is just step 12, uh, step 11 uh, which is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will uh, for us and the power to carry that out and um, I'll lead in with the uh, daily reflection, which is centred around um, step 11. Keeping, keeping optimism afloat. The other steps can be can keep most of us sober and somehow functioning, but step 11 can keep us growing, and that's from the language of the heart, page 240. A sober alcoholic finds it much easier to be optimistic about life. Optimism is a natural result of my finding myself gradually able to make the best rather than the worst of each situation. As my physical sobriety continues, I come out of the fog, gain a clearer perspective and am better able to determine what course of action to take. 
as vital as physical sobriety is, I can achieve a greater potential for myself by developing an ever-increasing willingness to avail myself of the guidance and direction of a higher power. My ability to do so comes from my learning and practicing the principles of AA, of the AA program. The melding of my physical and spiritual sobriety produces the substance of a more positive life. Um, and that's the reading uh, that for 2nd November. I mean, some of you might be thinking, what on earth has he just said? You know, um, and and when we talk about higher power and, and spirituality, we're not talking about organised religion. Uh, some of you may have some strong views about uh, attending um, a specific faith uh, many years ago. Um, you know, some of you may not believe in, in, a, um, in God at all. Um, the point really is that what we, are, we we have to get out of ourselves and look towards something bigger than ourselves, and um, and we're really reflecting on on that type of spirituality. It, it says quite clearly in, uh, a God of our own understanding, so we don't have to accept um, everything straight away. <laughs> Um, it's it's more a, a leaning on on something bigger than ourselves, and some people use the group of Alcoholics Anonymous as a way of of um, experiencing that wisdom. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that, Chrissy? Um, after reading that reading, um, I can relate it to um, what's going on in my life now. I've I'm having to make some decisions about things and. Um, you know, I'm sticking quite close to my higher power about that and I've prayed for guidance uh, and, you know, when I pray for guidance, God tends to just steer me in a direction. I'll call him God because, or higher power, whatever floats your boat, um, whatever you feel comfortable with. Mm. I feel comfortable with God having been in a, um, an Anglican upbringing and... Um, um, a lot of people don't like that, so sometimes I say God or a higher power. But it's the um, God of your understanding. That's isn't it? exactly so right. That's, and it's your experience that we're listening to. Yes, yeah. that's yes. that's yeah. totally true. And yeah. what I find is when I when I ask and pray for um, guidance, I always get it. Mm. Um, and through getting that guidance, especially with stuff that's really really big, that's really sitting on me. Um, I just get freedom. Yes. You know, and I get freedom in a way that is, um, feels good in my spiritual life. Yes. Yeah, it's a positive experience, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are, there are things that I don't have the answers to, um, and, and, you know, uh, a case in point, you know, I watch others that are suffering from this terrible disease, uh, of alcoholism and, um, at times, I feel quite powerless uh, to be able to, to um, you know, to help. Um, and you know, I find prayer as a as a way of me expressing myself in that powerlessness. You know what I mean? It's a positive thing that I can actually do when other things just don't make sense. And um, and there seems to be a strength that comes from that as well. You know. Um, uh, yeah, I've found that time and time again when I'm when I'm lost, I, I, I don't quite know what to do. Uh, prayer is a is a powerful um, a way of of having a con- conscious contact with something bigger than myself. That that actually provides a, a sense of of strength uh, and peace in the midst of things. It doesn't necessarily solve at that moment, um, but but what it does is it, it sort of it gathers up things like faith and hope and, and sort of binds them together and, 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 and makes it an expression as opposed to sitting in that powerless moment and going, oh, well, this is it, because it's not, you know. Um, yeah, the spiritual stuff, I, I you know, coming as, as an active alcoholic, I, I, I was completely bankrupted. I, I didn't... You know, it was always that next drink or finding that next drink, and that was my solution to life. And when I when I initially sobered up, I was overwhelmed. What am I going to do now? <laughs> How am I going to live life without this anaesthetic that I'd been using for so many years? Uh, and little by little, I realised that um, the spirituality was always around me. Every time I attended an AA meeting, 
um, you know, it was there freely available, you know, in, in others. I, and I'd watched this without actually recognising it uh, initially. Um, and it's been sort of a growth process. So I haven't had to come in and swallow everything straight away. And it's been a, a gradual process of growth, really. Um, you know, is that something similar? That, yes, I can completely yeah. relate to that. And um, what I'd, you know, you talk about... Um, praying for other people, you know, and it is just such an amazing thing. The other thing that I'd say too is it's what I find really amazing is when you pray for other people that are having trouble um, and you see the outcome of your prayer expressed Mm, in a positive way as well, you know. Like I'd be praying, oh, I hope someone, I really think someone should go to, you know, I'd be praying someone go to a meeting and then they turn up and, you know, so I see I see the action that my prayers have helped happen. Yeah. And that, for me, is a great confidence and a great um, learning and awareness of higher power, my relationship with higher power, how higher power works as well. Yes. And, you know, coming into AA, um, first of all, I think I had to learn about alcoholism as a disease process and what I was like as an alcoholic, how what my personality traits are, because, like, even though we're different, alcoholics do have personality traits, you know. And um, so I think a lot of my part, my early part was finding out and... You know, I always said I didn't go to meeting, as many meetings as I should have. And so I think it's probably taken me a bit longer mm. to to get that. You know, if I'd have maybe, maybe if I could have gone more. I did have children, you know, that's not an excuse. But, um, well, problem maybe is. It probably is. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> that, you know, my... Because, like, I remember hearing somebody say, I'm here to learn when he was first asked to share an A, and I thought, that's a great thing, you know. He knew what his job was. He was there to learn about himself and sit there and listen and not yak on so much like I love doing. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you learn all these things as you go along, and, well, I did. Um, So, yeah, I I can completely relate, completely. Yeah, it really is a learning process. you know, you know, some people that are struggling with with spirituality, you know, um, and you know, and it being a religious experience, um, you know, I, I, it took me a while to realise that, you know, I was, you know, drinking of a spirit, if you like, um, you know, they don't call it spirits for no reason, <laughs> you know, and. And I was doing it so frequently, it truly was a religious experience. <laughs> <laughs> and your eyes shall, yeah. up, shall see strange woman. <laughs> so, you know, once I, I had a bit of a laugh when, when I, I sort of cottoned on to that idea. And, um, uh, you know, and it, it made everything so a lot more relaxed uh, as, as a process. But... Yeah, this thing is bigger. Getting sober is bigger than just ourselves, you know. It is about our families as well, and 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 you know, it is a place where where a lot of healing can take place. Um, Chris, you've got another reading for us, haven't you? Yes, Perhaps I have. Perhaps we'll get into that and have a look at that. Yeah, this is um, a reading from chapter eleven in the big book called um, "A Vision for You," and you know, this is my favourite. My favourite chapter in the book right, I yes. just felt like a huge uplift in my spirit when I read it for the first time So, mm. anyway here we go a vision for you for most normal folks drinking means conviviality companionship and colourful imagination it means release from care, boredom and worry it is joyous intimacy with friends and a feeling that life is good But not so with us in those last days of heavy drinking. The old pleasures were gone. They were but memories. Never could we recapture the great moments of the past. There was an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did, and a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. There was always one more attempt, 
and one more failure. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. As we became subjects of king alcohol, shivering denizens of his mad realm, the chilling vapour that is loneliness settled down. It thickened, ever becoming blacker. Some of us sought out sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship and approval. Momentarily we did. Then would come oblivion and the awful awakening to face the hideous four horsemen. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. Now and then a serious drinker, being dry at the moment, says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be able, unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. We have shown him how we got out from under. You say, yes, I am willing. But am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring and glum like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship, and so will you. How has that come about, you ask? Where am I going to find these people? You are going to meet these new friends in your own community. Near you, alcoholics are helplessly dying, like people in a sinking ship. If you live in a large place, there are hundreds, high and low, rich and poor. These are future fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Among you, you will, among them, you will make lifelong friends. You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties, for you will escape disaster together, and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. Then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive and rediscover life. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbour as thyself. It may seem incredible that these men are to become happy, respected and useful once more. How can they rise out of such misery, bad repute and hopelessness? The practical answer is that since these things have happened amongst us, they can happen with you. Should you wish for them above all else and be willing to make use of our experience, we are sure they will come. The age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. Yeah, that's a wonderful reading, Chrissy. I, I you know, appreciate appreciate you reading that very much. Um, you know, it said that. You know, for me personally, when I came to the, I got into this place where I knew that drinking had become something frightening in my life, and I knew that my behaviour had become irrational enough that I needed to hide it. Um, you know, and I spent a lot of time drinking on my own um, because I felt, one, that the world can just bugger off. <laughs> but two, um, it was safe. I felt that I was in a safe place where I could have a few drinks. Um, and, uh, you know, p people around me would, would start to complain about my behaviour and my being drunk and that sort of thing, and rightly so, you know, um, because my behaviour was off the wall. But when I tried to stop, um, you know, a new fear took over. I knew that I was just absolutely miserable not having that alcohol inside me. I knew um, that 
I felt so lost um, and I wasn't happy about not having a drink in me uh, or that release more probably more importantly um, and so I'd inevitably pick up again you know so there was a cycle going on for years of where the behavior would get so bad that I'd have to do something about it and I'd stop and when I'd stop I'd run into this other problem where I just didn't like life without alcohol you know um, and these two overriding cycles had me absolutely pinned down um, you know and it wasn't until I um, had come to the end of the road had become sick of living this way that I was willing to try something new you know um, and that was my first AA meeting um, and you know I looked around and people were laughing and happy and they weren't glum or sad or miserable I was miserable I, I thought you know life was over but but these people were happy and I guess you know knowing that I couldn't go back I had to somehow go forward um, and I just kept coming back and you know I think that's what that reading is describing um, that process of, of, of change um, and realising now you know after having gone through things and becoming more self-aware um, that I actually have a really good life today uh, and I don't feel that fear of not needing a drink you know um, yeah, yeah. how do you see that, that reading you've just read yeah I agree with um, what you think uh, Tony I, um, it describes what I went through before I gave up drinking uh, I'm I didn't. I went into Alcoholics Anonymous before I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Basically, um, that happened th- through my addiction to another substance that I was finding really hard to give up. I I did have the Four Horsemen, um, where I was trying so hard to give it up, um, yet I couldn't. And I was visited by the four horsemen once mm. on a hungover morning. Yeah. And it was the most horrible, horriblest of feelings, you know. And um, I never realised, you know, they say you get to the jumping off point. I, I sort of, when I was first in early recovery, um, I thought it was, I was in a place where I really want to drink alcohol, but I know it's killing me. You know, but I want to drink alcohol, but I know it's killing me. But yeah. I don't really want to yeah. drink alcohol because I know it's killing me. And I'm like, yeah, I can go left, I can drink alcohol and it'll kill me, or I can not drink alcohol, and at the moment I think I can't live without it. Um, and that's a horrible place, and it is very lonely. It's like a stillness of... Um, I've heard it expressed in a way of the feeling of loneliness comes down upon you and that, and it is a horrible place to be in, you know, and I just had to make a choice, you know. I looked around, um, I could go left and keep drinking or I could go right and I could go to AA and, you know, go to more meetings, do stuff that, um, you know, I could see that other people had done Mm. and that I could... I could do so once you get to the you know that it is a process and it's about coming it through it's about that for me it was about making the decision about do I give up mm. you know um, and it forced me to make a choice and I've been in the in that place more than once with other other substance and um, so I guess it made it easier um, than this you know with the other substance but with alcohol yeah I can relate to what you said too about drinking I used to drink at home mainly because I had kids there Um, and what is it they say about um Alcoholics, dangerously antisocial. Yes, it can be. So, so yes, and you know that's. I think that's why a lot of people do drink. Start drinking at home, Um, and I think when you 
when you've stepped over the line of alcoholism, you know, because you have to drink all the time, you know, home seems to be the next best place to be doing it. Yeah. If you know what I mean, you know, like as far as your physical safety, um, not pissing anybody else off. Yeah, yeah, there was a certain amount of, of trying to find a safe space for me, let alone everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But, yeah. I, I, but I mean, you know, in my drinking, and maybe others out there might feel a similar way, you know, I could never find that utopia. I was always connected to the family in some way, or somebody would always see my drinking and be disgusted in it. Um, you know, and and you know what I've what I've noticed too is is you know in, in the early days of AA, Bill W and Bob uh, worked with the bottom. They called it the bottom cases, where these were men and, and women who had lost everything um, and were in dire straits. But as Alcoholics Anonymous progressed, um, people still had two two cars in the garage, and they still had their jobs, or they might have still had their marriages, and it became apparent. That, that people didn't have to go to the, the absolute end of things um, uh, to become well. Um, you know, but really what what it is, it's not who's got the worst story or whatever. What it is, is there's still, there's still two things that are, are going on for a person, no matter where they are, um, socially, physically, mentally, spiritually. It's um, that obsession around alcohol. It's not, um, you know, is your mind... Always constantly of where the next drink's coming from, and also you know what happens if you don't get that next drink. What actually? Where are you? You know, um, and if those two things are ringing true for you, or you have some apprehension around those, you know, what we've found is we've found a program. You know, it's it's a wonderful substitute, as Chrissy read out, um, to 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 addressing that, and it's a lifelong journey. Uh, of change, eh? you know, um, it's something that you don't get in a day. We've talked about change, eh? and and it's something that slowly, um, you know, comes around. Um, you know, the the new a new way of life. Yeah, I can, I can, I I really get that, you know, and the change, the lifelong journey, the fact. You know, and I've got to do some work. You know, like what I'm what I'm going through at the moment. I have to do some. You know, well, I don't. I don't. I don't know. They say work, but you know, I don't know if praying's work or not. Um, I don't really think of it as work. Right. I just think of it as my life. But yeah. um, I do have to um, how can I put it? I need to reconcile. Some things with myself. So, um, and you know, it, I pay as much attention now to my spiritual life mm. as I do to my physical well being or my um, any other part of my well being. Mm. And I think that it's a blooming great blessing that I've been given that my spirituality allows me to. Um, um, work on other parts of my life and in a way that I feel comfortable with, that my conscience is comfortable with, that um, yeah, that my spirituality is comfortable with. So, yeah, I think it's a great blessing. Yeah, wonderful, Chrissy. Thank you for that. Um, well, let's head off into a track. Uh, this is called I've Been in a Storm Too Long, and that's by Jim Ross, Sunny Side Up.
You're listening to the AN Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. And what we'd like to do now is to introduce uh, Fred. Um, this is uh, Fred's uh, story about Alcoholics Anonymous and how he came to be in it and, and some of the insights that that uh, he's, he's um, uh, seen. So let's uh, carry on with that. Yes, hello everyone. Um, my name's Fred and uh, I've been invited to speak today on my experience, strength and hope as it relates to my problem with alcohol. And I'd like to thank you, Tony, for inviting me here to do that today. And, and I realise a lot of our audience may not realise what um, the problem we're talking about. You know, we're, are we talking about a drinking problem? Or are we talking about something a little bit more serious? And, and uh, you know, when you first start drinking, you know, and, and you don't consider yourself to have a problem, why would you? And when I picked up my first drink, it was an amazing experience, you know. I know today that something happened to me that doesn't happen to um, the non-alcoholic, that something happened to me when I had my first unsupervised drink that doesn't happen to the majority of drinkers. And uh, it was only over after a period of time that I realised that I had a problem and, <clears throat> and I had to go through a long process till I realized that um, that my life was out of control because of alcohol, you know, and that's not most people's experience, you know, the normal drinker can take alcohol or leave it alone. But uh, I had to go through a very painful process before I realized that uh, my life was out of control because of alcohol, you know. And uh, I know today that, um, you know, I don't so much have a drinking problem, and as a, a guy once said, you know, that <clears throat> he never did, he was an alcoholic and went to AA, of course, <clears throat> and he said that if alcohol's, you know, alcohol's my problem, I'm not an alcoholic, and that used to baffle me, you know, I heard that in an AA meeting, and, and I th couldn't understand what this guy was on about, you know, and if alcohol's my problem, I'm not an alcoholic, of, of course alcohol's my problem, and you know, it's I've um, it's ruined every area of my life. You know, my friendships. I've lost a lot of friends because of my drinking, and I don't have a lot of money because of my drink lifestyle. It comes with with being an alcoholic, and owed money, crashed cars, and the list goes on. And uh, I realised that today that he was absolutely right. That that um, I don't have a drinking problem. My problem is that I was taking a wrong approach to life, that my whole approach to life was the, mainly the cause of my problem, and that alcohol was just a symptom. And that's, that's a pretty incredible thought, you know, that, um, that my whole approach to life was wrong. I was living life um, on my terms. I wanted to live life on my terms. And, you know, if you think about the world, you know, it rotates on an, an axis, you know, and it rotates on a 15-degree axis. It doesn't rotate straight up and down. It doesn't rotate on a 30-degree axis. It rotates on a fixed axis, fixed axis. And that was my approach to life, that I was on a fixed axis, and I had to completely change the axis, the way that my life rotated, because it revolved around me. And I'll... Just before I get into that a little bit more about, you know, my approach to life and how I live life today, you know, what happened, you know, I, I got to the rooms of AA, running my life my way, um, out of control in every department, couldn't stop drinking, wanted to stop, couldn't stop, and today it's not like that. So what happened? Well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting journey, you know, and I think before we, we, uh, can do anything about, uh, well, I said drinking problem. <clears throat> Before I can do anything about my life, I have to understand what the problem is. And uh, um, maybe I could illustrate that a little bit by, you know, um, a, a, another problem that I have, which is that I'm lactose intolerant. I can't drink, I can't drink full cream milk, right? So... 
Um, if I take, you know, if I take a drink cappuccinos or have um, full cream milk in any way, I've got digestion problems, right? So when I realised that what the problem was, that uh, that this stomach trouble I'm having, that you know, that um, I'm feeling a bit nauseous if I drink too much milk, I, you know, the solution to that problem was just don't drink milk. You know, and that's what we hear as a problem drinker. Everyone that can see that their loved one's life is out of control or they're drinking too much, the, the solution that they think of, they think they're being helpful by saying that, just don't drink or just have one, you know. But my problem is that I cannot have one. That's an impossibility because I have a twofold problem. I don't, you know, my solution to my lactose intolerance is to just not, don't drink. I just don't drink full cream milk. I don't have to go to any meetings of lactose intolerance people to help me with my, my lactose intolerance. I don't have to take an inventory of my behaviour. I don't have to go to any meetings. I don't, And I've never woken up on a park bench surrounded by milk cartons thinking, <laughs> how the hell did I get here? You know, what, what happened? I, I don't have a, um, an obsession of the mind and I don't have a physical illness. I don't have a... Um, you know, once I take that first glass of milk, I, I don't have an allergy where I cannot stop, physically cannot stop. But when it comes to, to alcohol, you know, I have a twofold problem that um, I'm restless, irritable and discontent when I'm, when I'm not drinking. There's something wrong with, with me when I'm not drinking. <clears throat> and a drink relieves that, you know. A drink seems to seems to make me feel at ease and comfort, and that's what it does for the non-alcoholic. It it makes a um, a person feel at ease with himself. That, that it's camaraderie, it's friendship. But um, for an alcoholic, once I take that first drink, I have an allergy that sets me up for a craving for another for more and more and more, and and that's that's huge. That's that's a huge problem. And I don't even know that it's happening. It's unconscious. I don't, um, you know, there's no diagnostic, no diag. The, the thing about the disease of alcoholism, and it was a huge relief to understand that I had a disease. Um, it was a a relief because it took away the shame. You know, I once I realised that I was an alcoholic, that that I couldn't do anything about the fact that once I pick up that first drink. I can't stop. That was a huge relief, you know. That's why that's why I can't stop drinking because I get a craving. And probably to a non-alcoholic, that sounds like a cop out, but it's actually it's actually true. Um, any person that um, it, admits to being an alcoholic will admit that they have a craving that that comes over them that they cannot stop once they pick up that first drink. Because it's not because the experience of the non-alcoholic is very very different to what to what people like myself experience. And, um, and so I got to, the, you get to the rooms of AA when, um, and you realize that I have more than just a drinking problem. My whole approach to life is, 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 is wrong. That I'm living my life on my terms. I'm wanting to do it my way. And that's not how most people live their life. You know, most people go with the flow. They, they don't um, live a life run on self all the time, and today that's the that's the challenge is to to um, realise that uh, that it's not about me, you know, that I can't live my life totally on my terms. I have to live life. Some people say on life's terms. Well, I'm not so sure about living life on life's terms. So I don't know exactly what that means, but I have to be willing. If I want to recover from the disease of alcoholism, to embrace a spiritual way of life, and that can be anything, that can absolutely be anything. And so today, um, I realised that when I got to the rooms of AA, that um, I was a taker in life, you know. And the truth hurts, you know. The truth really hurts. And when I got to the rooms of AA, um, I felt misunderstood. But I got to the rooms of AA and found that there were people that. Had, the thing that thing that got me when I got to AA was that here were people just like myself, and they had been sober a long time. I could not stop. And when I got to the rooms of AA, 
here were people that understood exactly what my problem was. You know, if you if you a doctor or a psychiatrist or a therapist, they're fantastic. They do a fantastic job, but they have their model and their approach to treating the alcoholic. And when I got to the rooms of AA, here were people that had been there. They had actually lived and thought and done and felt the things that I had done and thought and felt. And they were happy about it. They, they weren't drinking and they were happy. They were living life successfully, however you want to interpret that. Successful without because they weren't drinking. You know, and I got here, I got to the rooms of AA, a loser. Let's head on with another music track. Um, this is On the Rolling Sea uh, from Julian Raphael and again, Sunny Side Up. up we've got the second part of um, Fred's interview. So yeah I I realised that um, I was a loser but it it was alcohol was the thing that it's like a thief isn't it alcohol stole from me it promised me a lot of things in the beginning you know it promised it promised me it promised me the things that it promises everybody you know that uh, that fun you know who doesn't want to go to the pub and have some fun Shoot a bit of pool and you know and and you know have a have a few drinks and have fun you know and it promised me that but it, because I have a a disease that's progressive and uh, ultimately fatal fatal um, it stole from me gradually you know and alcohol for me was a great thief it, it, it stole my um, financial security as I mentioned it stole my friendships I was hurting the people I loved. And, I, and again, I, I couldn't see it. And if I could, um, I would um, be filled with guilt, shame and remorse, you know. And that doesn't happen to, to non-alcoholics or social drinkers. They don't wake up the next day full of guilt, shame and remorse. And then, of course, there were, you know, things like the blackouts and, and um, you know, the physical symptoms like the, the bleeding noses and the peripheral neuritis where... You know, your hands and your feet, your, the nerves at the end of your arms and feet start to tingle. And, you know, so alcohol, it was like a snowball effect. You know, it started off a little snowball going down the hill. By the time it got to the bottom of the hill, it was a huge snowball. And 
that's not how it is for the non-alcoholic. They, it doesn't have a snowball effect. They, it's a beverage for a non-alcoholic. Alcohol is like having a coffee. You know, I love coffee. You know, I might have two cups of coffee. Gee, if I'm if I'm really on a roll, I might have three cups of coffee. But I don't have three hundred and three cups of coffee. You know, for and it's a beverage for for non-alcoholics. They have two or three drinks. They might have ten drinks, but they don't have nine hundred and ten drinks. They don't hide their drinks. They don't. They don't. Their life doesn't revolve around alcohol. And the most painful thing, well, painful, it wasn't really painful to admit that I was an alcoholic in the end because um, I could see where it had taken me to. I, I, you know, didn't, I didn't end up where I, I didn't end up um, where I ended up in five minutes. It took, it took a long time. But um, today, you know, it's, it was a huge thing in the beginning to admit that I was an alcoholic, but today that truth that truth has set me free. Um, and today it's about giving away what I've learned to try and help the next person that uh, that needs help and wants help. And that's the thing, you know, that um, because I was living my life my way, it was such a painful thing to admit to having to, to need help. And everybody needs help, you know. We we live to to live is to, to to need help. I need help in many areas of life, but for some reason I would not admit um, that I needed help when it came to drinking, because I thought I could do it my way. You know, I thought that I could uh, manage my life my way, and I realised today that uh, that that was insanity. You know, to that was crazy to not to continue to live my life on my terms was crazy that I had to get into the stream of life and and uh, ultimately be willing to embrace a spiritual way of life. And uh, that can be anything, you know. Um, for me, you know, one of the most painful things was to realise that I was hurting the people I loved. And... They talk about, you know, in the rooms of AA, they talk about a spiritual awakening. Well, it was such an awakening to realize that I'd hurt, hurt people that actually loved me, you know. And I felt that they didn't understand me, but today I realize that my lifestyle, my alcoholic lifestyle, hurt people. And today it's not like that. I don't, I don't consciously or unconsciously hurt people. In fact, I try and be helpful, try and be helpful today. And one of the most... Um, Wonderful things about life is that I have friends today that I that don't friends that have never seen me drink that don't know that um, you know that that painful life that I used to live uh, life that I used to live and they just see me as Fred you know Fred the the, the guy that's they, they they know I don't drink they know I can't drink but they think they just see that as something that's been in the, in the past and for that reason those friends are always going to be there. They're not going to be second guessing. Well, what state's he going to be in tonight? You know, or is he going to, you know, get get abusive and drunk and start mouthing off? And they, those people in my life, the friends that love me today, they've never seen me drink, and hopefully they never will see me drink, because I'm a completely different person when I drink. But the insanity is that um, when I'm in that lifestyle, when I'm drinking, that seems normal to me. That's the tragedy of it. I don't see that, that there's a piece in our literature that says that, you know, that after a time, the, that I cannot distinguish the true from the false, that I cannot see that my lifestyle is abnormal. And that's very true. You know, when I was in the throes of my drinking or during my drinking, that seemed normal to me. But it was anything but normal. And that that's the insanity of, of this disease is that... Um, once I start working the program of recovery, I can see I have sanity around alcohol. You know, I can see that I'm hurting the ones I'm love. That um, that I'm running life my on my terms on self will, and that places me at odds with other people. And uh, hopefully today I've entered the mainstream of life a little bit more, and and uh, that I'm not hurting people. That uh, in fact, it go I can take it a lot further than that. I can be in a position today where I can be helpful to people. 
And that's a great experience, you know, that's, you know, even just doing this interview today is hopefully helping someone. And that's, that's wonderful, you know, because at the end of the day, the only person that can understand someone with an addiction is another person that's been through that. And, uh, you know, I've tried the route of doctors and therapists, and as I said, they're amazing people when they have a lot to offer. But unless someone has actually lived that experience, they can't show a person how to get out of that rut and how to recover from an addiction. And uh, those that have recovered from the addiction are in a unique position. And in fact, um, I'd even go so far to say that that was probably the reason I got sober, you know. And, um, I've been, you know, the, the world is awash in addiction today and, and it's the biggest killer, you know. Addiction is the biggest killer of, uh, of, of people. And I got sober for a reason. And it's to, to help anyone that, that cares to, to want the program of recovery. And it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing journey. And I would encourage anyone that, that um, questions whether this, they can recover from an addiction. And I would say 100% yes, anyone can recover. Um, and, and I and myself and my friend Tony here... Um, our living proof that, that that's the case, you know. We were once we were once in a very bad space, weren't we, Tony? Yes, yes. yeah, quite. We yeah. were in a very, very bad space. And, uh, you know, it'll take everything. And addiction, whether it's gambling or alcoholism or whether it's, you know, cigarette smoking, it'll ultimately a lot, it'll take a lot, lot, lot longer for cigarette smoking. Any addiction will take, little by little, everything. It'll take everything. But uh, today I've turned that, Tony and myself, I've turned that round 100% and we can be in a position to, to show others that want recovery um, the way out. I'll leave it there. I'd just like to remind our listeners that if you want to drink, that is your business. If you want to stop, we can help. These are the contact numbers for AA. 0800 AA Works. 0800 229 6757. The AA Otago Intergroup web address is aaotago.org.nz, all in lowercase. If you want to get hold of us by mail, post to AA Otago Intergroup. P.O. Box 6115, Dunedin North, Dunedin 9059. The New Zealand website, and this is where you'll find meetings lists along with um, the AA Otago website as well. They also have things on it like um, assemblies, uh, where they're being held, etc, etc. And that is aa.org.nz. That's great, Chrissy. Thank you so much. Um, and um, yeah, thank you, everybody out there listening as well. Um, just like appreciate you along for the ride uh, with us tonight. Um, and we'll we'll see you uh, next time. We're going to head out with a little track uh, by Eva Cassie, and it's called "What a Wonderful World." I see trees that are green Red roses too I watch them bloom Fold me in you And I think to myself What a wonderful Oh, what a wonderful world.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.